Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. your sitter. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross joining you on a streaking Sunday. Denver Nuggets 3-0 on the week. Gordon, uh, did you go streaking to celebrate? I did not. It's a little cold outside. <laughs> it's true. Now, it's true. Nobody, likes to, nobody braves the streaking in November in no, Colorado. That's, that's, not a, that's not a Colorado tradition, I gotta say. It's, uh, it's probably one that uh, most people appreciate. We don't up, uptake. In general, not the prettiest, uh, unfortunately for us. But for the Nuggets, uh, streaking is is a good thing. Uh, we're happy. We're happy that they are now three and zero for the week. A week that uh, a lot of people I think looked at and were were wondering, you know, how how Denver would perform because uh, honestly they had some they had some high quality competition uh, this week. But the Nuggets get it done. We will break down all three of the games, starting with the Heat. Uh, then the big win over the Sixers, and then the win today uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Those last two kind of in uh, dramatic fashion. So we will spend uh, the show going over those wins, and then we will look forward. It's it's sort of a flip flop this week. We've got quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of talented guards instead in front of the Nuggets for three more games on the docket. So let's not delay. Let's get right into the show. The first win for the Nuggets this week. Um, was Miami, like I said, then they followed it up with... So the Miami game was kind of a blowout uh, at home. Miami was probably the... Lead, well, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on how you feel with them versus Minnesota, who's more talented. But uh, Philly was probably the best team that, that Denver played. Had them at home, had to come back. Uh, largest comeback in the fourth quarter in franchise history to get that win basically at the buzzer. And then today... Kind of, kind of faltering down the stretch, but on the road and and able to hold on, get get it done in overtime, almost in in buzzer beating fashion again. Gordon, which one, which one is the most impressive? Impressive. Which one is the least impressive? I'd still say the Miami wins the most impressive, um, because Jokic was terrible. Like <laughs> Jokic had like what nine five and five, in in just like twenty three twenty five minutes. Yeah, something like that. Let me yeah. Check. I got it. So, I mean, it was there yeah, were five and five. Yeah, exactly. So there were all kinds of times where uh, Jokic could have been um, a factor, but they still blew out um, the Heat, um, shut down um, uh, their attack, didn't didn't let uh, anybody go off. They uh, didn't have any problems with Butler. Um, like Bam got some rebounds, 
you know, but really they did, they did a very nice job holding down the heat and taking out uh, Miami without Jokic's contributions and Jamal Murray stepped up big time. Um, Morris was good off the bench. Like they, they had a, they had a good all round game except for um, Jokic in that game. So for me, I'd say the Miami heat's most impressive. Um, I don't know that there is a least impressive. I mean, you beat Philly. You you had a huge lead. I guess it's impressive that you almost blew the lead uh, <laughs> against the Timberwolves. Like that's if if you're gonna go over in the last six or seven minutes of that game um, against the uh, against the Timberwolves, then uh, I guess I would say that that's you're trying to face plant. But they pulled it out right. in the end, and it's still impressive. Like all these games against the Timberwolves always suck. I they always suck for both squads. I think I don't think I don't think the Timberwolves and the Nuggets actually like playing each other. At least their fan bases, because all right. the games are close. There's always a bunch of referee interference. Like right. it's just, it's just it's not the game you want to see. It just it's isn't. Taxing. It's a yeah, game. seriously, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's just always game. a slugfest. <laughs> yeah, I um, if I if I were gonna say least impressive, it's probably that Minnesota game, just because, like you said, they had him in the bag, uh, and then they they score fourteen points in the fourth quarter, uh, and almost lose it. They get they do end up pulling out. Nobody played particularly well, I think, in that game. I mean, Jokic hits the game. Uh, the game winner, but, you know, 20 points on 23 shots. You look at Jamal Murray, 15 points on 19 shots. I mean, nobody uh, nobody in particular was very efficient. It was just a very, very grindy game. It was a very game. inefficient game, a very grindy game for sure. Right, right. And then the last, those just, yeah, those last six minutes of the, the fourth quarter, just brutal. Brutal. They couldn't, man, they could not hit anything. Uh, impressive, though, the, that they get the win. I, I'd say the most impressive win. I'll, I'll say it's actually Philly because I think Philly is by far the best team that they played. Even without Ben Simmons, that was um, that was a, a challenge more so, I think, than any other team the Nuggets faced. And and they really they really did kind of answer uh, answer the call there in late in that game. I mean, they, they were down by 21 points in the fourth quarter, and just they just refused to die. And it takes them. It takes them the entire quarter, but they work all the way back and, and then get the lead there with Jokic hitting that, um, hitting that big shot. Yeah, the bench just struggled against the 76ers, though, man. Like I don't. It wasn't. It still wasn't. I wouldn't call it a complete general. team effort. They had a, they had a fourth quarter where the starters came in and like lit it up. But before right. then, that was not an impressive game. Like you had to go 35 to 13 in the fourth quarter to pull that game out against the 76ers. So. Right. You know, before the first three quarters, there were some eggs laid. There was some egg on the face, and the the bench scored what, like twelve total points in that game. Yeah, like, I know the bench. The bench was awful. I mean, um, yeah, and, and they barely played any minutes because the coach just couldn't leave them out there. He said no? that after after the game, he said I just couldn't leave those guys out there because they were just getting uh, they were just getting beat so bad. Yeah, I mean they. The everybody starters included, but the bench is really struggled too to just to defend anybody, uh, particularly at the three point line. The, uh, this I think the Sixers shot something even even in the end of losing the game. I think they still yeah they shot like fifty percent sixty percent yeah yeah something like so, that. No, it was um, but my thing. My thing with that uh, really, you have the. It's hard for me to call it impressive, although the fourth quarter was impressive. But the the Nuggets have been getting by on that all year. They've been getting by on impressive quarters. Like, I play a quarter and a half and we win the game. We play, you know, a third of a quarter and we win the game somehow. You know, it it hasn't been – 
it hasn't been a, a smooth running machine, man. Um, that's yeah, no, I mean, I'll take the seven and two. Like that's, uh, that's right. totally great. I love the record, but man, like you can't watch these games back. I don't know what their film days are like, but you can't watch these game days back and be like, look how amazing we were for four quarters or three no, quarters or two. That, that maybe is maybe what you, why you say, I guess, right. That the Miami game is the most impressive. Cause that was the one that was the most like complete, yeah, it's, um, it's the most complete game, and and they did it yeah. without the guy who sets the tone for their offense. So for me, that's why I I picked um, Miami. But really, I mean, you went three and zero against three quality teams. That's take your pick. Enjoy the game you want to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And, and we we've talked about this a lot on the show about how early in the season, you know, through November, basically, it's all about just kind of banking wins. Yep. Uh, and you take them any way you can get them. So to to get three and now be seven and two, I think it's really you can't ask for too much more, and and, well, and you're just kind of complaining about style points otherwise. Well, it is style points, and it's I mean those things matter for later. They cannot keep playing and winning like this, you would think. But no, you yeah. know, I mean, you had yeah, Harris get injured. You had Jamal Murray just finish rolling his ankle in this last game, which I think was honestly part of their their second half woes was Jamal Murray rolling the ankle and then continuing yeah. to shoot without a platform to shoot from, and just bricking everything. Um, but you had, you know, Paul Millsap took the teeth to the face. Like yeah. it's been, it, it, they've been challenged. Um, you had Malik Beasley out for this game too, right? Like illness. I don't know what he had. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He left, he left at halftime basically. He didn't come back. You know, so it's been, it's been that kind of, um, week where it's been challenging. There have been injury challenges. There have been. Um, play challenges. There have been referee challenges, and right. the Nuggets just keep winning, and that's all you can really ask of your team is to survive adversity. Yeah, exactly. Even self-created adversity, and keep working on the issues. And I think we're seeing that. I think we've seen you. Know, I think the big issue coming into the week, everybody was talking about Nikola Jokic and his aggressiveness, and and we really did see him get quite a bit more aggressive yeah, as the, this week went on. You know, especially in this. Uh, this Minnesota game and the Philly game, so yep. uh, that was good to see. So they're making improvement and they're and they're winning games while they're improving their mistakes along the way. That's that's the recipe for having a really good season. I, I bring up Jokic because, like I said, he he had like you mentioned, he didn't have a very good game in Miami, but I mean he was uh, he I, he had obviously was the big big reason behind the run against Philadelphia there in the fourth quarter. He has what like sixteen. Points, oh yeah. Oh no, he was he was uh, unstoppable. The Sixers. Yeah, and then and then he has he has the game winner uh, again here against the the Timberwolves. I mean, do you think are those questions still out there about you know the aggressiveness? People, here's my thing: people have tried to make all kinds of different reasons uh, for Jokic. You know, is is he? People have questioned you know whether he's mentally uh, all right, whether he's um, you know obviously people are trying to point to to his physical fitness. There's there's all these different side tidbits, and to me, I just looked at him like, you know, it's just so he had a couple bad games like that. That happens. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you have like concerns about any of that, Gordon, or or does does this week and seeing him be really aggressive and kind of be the guy who drives uh, the team, does that kind of ease your concerns regarding him and his play so far? I wasn't concerned in the first place. Like, right, um, that, that's like where I was at. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, for me. Jokic has had slow starts to the season. Some of them alone encouraged, some of them not. Right. You know, it, I don't really worry about that. Um, he's, he came in too thin, you know, um, one year. 
we were all like, you need to be fat Jokic to be a good Jokic. So this right. year he came in fat, and he hasn't been that either. So, you know, it's it really – he just has to get his footing. And once he gets his footing, I'm not going to worry about him the rest of the year. So I'm just waiting for him to get it. Like I'm not, I'm not really concerned at this point. He's shown that he shows up in quite situations. He shows up when the team is down. Like really, for me, I don't have a ton of concern about that hub of the Nuggets' offense. I do have concerns that guys just aren't hitting shots. <laughs> like yeah. the yeah, Nuggets are true. just having some brutal shooting nights. Um, and I'm I'm concerned that if they're not going to make open shots this year, that's going to make things a lot more challenging for them. But it's still early in the season for that. Well, and the, you know the, the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with with that is is they're they're they might even still be the slowest paced team. They're one of them, yeah. Uh, in, they were thirty the a couple days ago, right? And so it's when you're not getting out in transition and getting easy buckets. Uh, to get your confidence up and, and just to take some high percentage looks, you start to see, right? You start to see that tailing uh, off in terms of your, your jump shooting. And, and and I think that's that kind of goes really hand in hand with what's been missing on the offense is they're really not trying to push the ball um, at all, which is a team like, as a team that's always been a strength of theirs and always kind of is a strength of Denver Nuggets basketball in general just because of the altitude. So yep. I... I'd like to see them get back to that, but again, like I, I can't. It's hard to complain too much when the team's seven and two. Like I, yeah, like I don't know, know where the leakouts are. With you, <clears throat> I don't know where the leakouts are. I don't right. know where you know guys are are running three two in transition and going to for dunks, and that's not happening. Like they're even casually turning the ball over in transition. It's just it right. it has not been pretty. Um, and it has not set them up for easy looks, for easy buckets, for easy things that um, they're used to. They're they're not doing the back cuts, whether that's because the defense is not um, allowing them to do it. You know, right. but they're, they're not having yeah, those think... easy dunks, man. Like, they're not having those easy, easy finishes. So everybody at the rim is struggling. Uh, Gary Harris today was awful at the rim. Yeah. Paul Millsap was real tough until that third quarter. Third quarter, he... Paul Millsap was great. Yeah, I don't know what what he drank <laughs> right. at halftime, but keep drinking that. Right. Right, yeah, exactly, man. He had that one dunk. Uh, poor, who was that? Was that Jake Lehman that he, that so. he obliterated there? Yeah, yeah. no, that was that was like, you know, he had his oolong tea or whatever and went out there and just pounded some people because. It was grown man, grown man dunk right there. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, so a guy who actually didn't play very well against Minnesota but has been uh, good this week as well that I kind of want to talk a little bit about is Jamal Murray because he's a guy who we've always talked about, you know, typically – uh, he's had a slow start to the season, but I would say, honestly, I think he's been the best player on the team so far this year. Um, I would agree with that. Um, Jamal Murray has been looking for other people to help them out. Right. And he's also been looking for his own shot in enough circumstances. So he's getting his passing up. He's, he's learning how to actually run an offense and not just get the ball and, and go in the paint. I'm still concerned that he doesn't seem to be able to get by anybody. That that yeah. that concerns me that you watch him try to penetrate the defense two and three times. He tests it, he tests it, he tests it, and then he kicks it out to Barton or whoever. Right. Um, I, I do have concerns with that, but at least he's understanding that he's not going to make it rather than going into traffic and turning the ball over. Right. Now, yeah, that, that wasn't seems... true tonight, but, you know, yeah, in general. Yeah. He struggled uh, with that tonight, but he seems to overall have gained like a gone to that next level of kind of basketball IQ and basketball maturity to where he's making a lot more of the right decisions. We saw really, I thought, against 
Philly when, you know, he had that second quarter where he was pretty much shooting lights out. And then he had a couple of heat checks. They didn't go his way. And instead of continuing to force the shot, he he went back to being a distributor and a playmaker. He ends up having 22 and 11. And, and I, I said in the recap, when I wrote that, that might be the most complete game uh, we've seen out of Jamal in his NBA career. Probably. Um, it's certainly one of them because, again, he was – he was in command of the offense and he was in command of his part of the offense. And that's, that's what I've always wanted from Jamal. But again, the thing with him is consistency. It was great that you did yeah. that. And now tonight you turn the ball over seven times against yeah, the Timberwolves. Exactly. So yeah, and- you're, you're going to need to figure out how to, you know, how to maintain, um, in equilibrium, but that's, he's reaching the age of getting close to when you right. start to figure that out. It being a young point guard in the NBA is incredibly, incredibly hard. And I know that there are some guys who make it look a little easier than other guys, you know, but for the most part, you see these guys come in. I mean, you know, you had Damian Willard who came in and he started getting it right about his, you know, third year out of college, but he graduated. He he was in college a little longer than Jamal Murray. Like, you know, Jamal was a one and done and, and Damian Willard was not. No. Yeah. Same with CJ McCollum. Like you, you have these guys, and you figure it out, and you become the leader that they you were supposed to be, and you run the offense the way you're supposed to. But it takes a minute, and I think it's also harder for Jamal since it's not all on him. I think it's good that it's not on him. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think he would be capable of running the Nuggets without Jokic for three months. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No. He <clears throat> Jamal isn't. Um, he he's got all the talent in the world. <clears throat> But he, he's not quite there in terms of the game. I think the game hasn't fully slowed down for him. It's, it's getting pretty close. I, I think I, I that's kind of what I was getting to. We, yeah, we were this talking, year I think we're yeah. starting to see it. Yeah, we were talking. And I actually thought that he would struggle this year when we talked before the season. Simply because it you, he just got the big paycheck. He hasn't got the paycheck yet, but he – Signed the contract extension. He, you know, he's got his max deal. Checks in the mail. Yeah, yeah, checks in the mail. He's got to cash it next year. Um, but that means he's done. Like, that's – it's all on him. He's got to be the man. He's getting paid, you know, $30 million to be the man. Right. Um, and so trying to, to match that with being unselfish and passing the ball to other people and trusting that they can make shots, you know, those are sometimes hard things for a young point guard, especially one who – Loves taking the last shot and is as competitive as anyone, you know, in the NBA. Jamal Murray's competitive streak is very, very serious. Yeah, I mean, Will Barton said after that game against Philly, he said, you know, he's the most competitive guy I've seen since Damian Lillard. Uh, and, 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 you know, and Will said, and I don't say that lightly. When you Will know, doesn't so. say that lightly. Like, that's right. Will holds Damian Lillard in the highest regard. And him putting Jamal Murray even up with Damian in competitiveness is a very, very serious compliment. Um, yeah. And Damian Willard, for me, honestly, is the version of Jamal Murray that I hope to see someday. Right, that's kind of Jamal's ceiling. Yeah, yeah, is that you want him to be a great leader and a, a final shot taker and an orchestrator um, and a guy who commands double teams. Or you know, uh, Willard has his off nights, uh, but right. the amazing thing for Denver is that even if Murray turns into Damian Willard, he's still not going to be the best player on the team. And that's incredible. Like if Portland had a player better than Damian Willard, they would be in the finals already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so you... that's, that's pretty impressive. If, if he and Jokic can pull that off, 
Um, but it's I love seeing that, that um, Jamal Murray's on that path. Um, I don't know if he'll hit it this year, but this so far this season, he's shown me that he wants to be the complete player and not just the dagger thrower. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like not no, just no, for I, the shot, not just for the the end of the game, but that he wants it the whole game, and that's really good to see. Yeah, exactly. Like like I said, we're seeing that kind of maturity out of him. Yeah. Um, which is which is what he needed to do. That was the next step that he needed yeah. to take. Yeah. Now we just um, need the consistency. Like that's always his thing, and and it's. When he can make sure that his his floor on games is not quite as low as it ha- as it is, and I think he's helping that out with the passing this year. He's right. he's raising his floor by saying, "Yes, I might go six for nineteen, but it's not with one assist and one rebound." Right. Well, tonight it was like seven turnovers and you know <laughs> two assists, five rebounds. But yeah, it was it was, it was a little right. painful tonight. But again. The guy rolled his ankle. I still think that the second half really. Yeah, because when you think about it, he he came out. Uh, he came out uh, really hot. I think he hit what is like first five shots yeah, in yeah. a row, and then. When well, I think hear him to play him the whole second half like that on a bad ankle, uh, he couldn't make shots. He couldn't, um, you know, chase guards around. Right. It, it was it was a struggle for him, and and I understand that you put your stars in and your stars win the game. But I, I mean, if you're not going to use your depth now, when are you going to use it? So speaking of kind of using the depth, um, we've seen now two games in a row. Malone has gone to uh, the eleven man rotation. Maybe tonight a little bit because Malik Beasley with the illness. But we saw him do it in the first half. Yeah. Uh, as as well, Michael Porter Jr. Now two games in a row with everybody basically healthy has. Uh, has found some minutes, not a ton. He's getting about like eight or nine minutes um, a game. But do you, I mean, what do you think, Gordon? Do you think this is this is a, a wrinkle that's here to stay, that basically Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig are, are going to probably share about 20 to 25 minutes? I think so, and I, I think that that makes sense. You have you can use Torrey situationally then to slow down a hot player, to you know provide a breather, to get some hustle energy out there. But then you're not relying on Tory for more than 15 minutes or so a game, and you can get you know Porter his 10, you know maybe 12, to go ahead and get in the flow to figure stuff out to play with his teammates because right now they still don't really look for him, but he's no. been he's been cleaning up on the boards man like he he gets after the offensive rebounds and and really has an eye for that sort of thing he doesn't really have an eye for defense yet but. He's working on it. Like you, you've got to let him work on it in games. I know that people hate that. Well, I don't know that people hate it. Um, I know Malone oh, hates people <laughs> screwing up on defense um, in in you know key moments or non key moments. He just hates it. But you're gonna have to live with it because the guy he had a he just had a around the screen pull up sideways three that just like was meant to fall right through the the net. Right. It was unbelievable, and you watch a guy do that. It's just casual talent. You can't coach it. You don't give it to someone. You don't teach it. Like it's not the product of hard work. I mean, there is hard work involved in it, but you got that or you don't got that. And Michael Porter Jr. has it. And he's got it. Yeah, and I think that you know when you kind of balance him with Tory Craig like this, it really does. It's going to make it difficult. For, for teams' benches because they're such different players. Very. Um, you know, yeah, and they're they're bringing total different things. And I like 
when he can also, you know, not only can he bring Tory Craig out situationally for some defensive matchups, but he also has the advantage of, of, of putting Michael Porter Jr. out there in a lineup that right now, you know, Malik Beasley has been struggling. Uh, Jeremy Grant, though, he played he played pretty good today, but he's been struggling. Monty Morris has been struggling. A lot of guys have not been able to hit shots. So you put out the guy who's the one thing he can do above all else um, is make shots. And if nothing else makes the defense kind of respect. It stretches the uh, floor, man. Exactly, like, which, you, which Torrey Craig does not do. Right, yeah. Torrey doesn't inspire anyone to sprint at him on the three-point line. Michael Porter Jr. does, and when he's willing to pass, you can get some openings you weren't getting before. So it lets, it lets Malone do different things with his lineup. He can see how they're being played and put out the different guy that needs to be out there. If you're getting killed by a guard, you're going to have to pull Porter and put, you know, or a small forward, go put Torrey Craig out there. That's fine. Right. Um, if you need some offensive spacing and you're not getting it, go put Michael Porter Jr. out there. It gives you options if he's willing to go deep in his bench. And I know he hates it. He wants to run nine deep maybe, but he's not going to be able to do that. They're going to be running 11 deep for a lot of the year. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just the way I think it's going to have to be because, because Michael Porter Jr. Uh, is going to have his lumps, particularly on the defensive end. Yep. We've already seen that. And, and Torrey Craig is a guy I just don't think you'll ever be able to rely on uh, on offense. So you're going to, depending on the flow of the game, you could use either one of those skill sets uh, to try and help win you the game. So I think I think you're right. I think we'll see probably both of them uh, for the time being. Malone then, loves, know, if, Malone if an injury happens, the term. he loves the term know your personnel. It's going to be very important for him to know his personnel. Like it's and to deploy them correctly. That's that's the hard part of what Malone has to do is he can't just roll his top eight guys out there and ignore the bench because he doesn't have a top eight guys. Yeah, he has a top like three guys and then he's got a bunch of other guys who can play different matchups. Could maybe maybe Jeremy Craig or Jeremy Grant needs to start sometimes. Maybe, you know, you're going to run a bench without um, Plumlee one night. Then the next night he's going to get 20 minutes. And I know that's not great for players, but. You're going to have to play it by ear, and playing it by ear is uh, – it's not something that a guy who loves his regimentation is going to really enjoy doing. But I, I think that Malone has enough experience with that over the last couple of years for him to grow into that this year too. He's going to need it. They're going to have to play deep, and um, right. they're going to use a lot of different lineups, and we should be used to it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be um... – it's just going to be something that everybody's going to have to be used to uh, with, with with this level of depth that Nuggets have. All right, tell you what, let's go ahead and let's hit the break, and then we will turn our focus uh, towards the week that is upcoming. We'll switch from the big men to the guards as this week is chock full of those. So stick with us. We'll be right back. all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. 
Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. Zach Mikosh, Gordon Gross. We spent that first half breaking down the 3-0 and week uh, that the Nuggets had this past week here. Now they head into uh, the upcoming weekend. We're going to go ahead and preview it. And honestly, Gordon, uh, the Nuggets have a pretty good chance to, I think, get to be 6-0 and uh, here and have a six-game winning streak with uh, with this this slate of games in front of them. Um it starts off with Atlanta, a team who is obviously still trying to figure it out, but has a lot of young talent. I am looking at right now there in a battle with the Portland Trailblazers. That thing is coming down to the wire uh, in in the fourth quarter there. But is this a team with Atlanta? I mean, Trey Young, you know, John Collins. They've got they've got some nice young pieces now. Are they ready to take that leap? Because it doesn't take a ton in the East, right, to be a playoff contender. Uh, do, do you see Atlanta as being a, a team who can maybe at least be in the in the conversation for the playoffs at the end of the year, or are they still a few years away? Um, well, since John Collins is suspended for PEDs for a minute, like that may ah, that's right that may make it a little <laughs> tough for them <laughs> because they don't they don't have the depth, man. Like I I think that that him being out definitely hurts them. Um, uh, they have some guys that I like. Um, they have like, I enjoy, uh, Deandre Bembry, like that's, he's a good shooting guard, but he's not going to get you a bunch of points. Like your bunch of points guy is Trey young. This is, this should remind Trey young of college where, you know, he's up there chucking like a crazy person. Um, and he's worth it because the guy can hit from anywhere on the floor. Uh, I don't know that I would consider them to be a playoff, uh, challenger in, even in the East, um, just because I don't, I don't think that they have the depth. I don't think you can, you know, run a bench of like Alex Len and, and Vince Carter. And, you know, I, I know Cam Reddish is, um, a very talented, you know, player, but I, I don't know that you've got enough after Trey Young. Um, if you're going to be without John Collins for two months, they don't, um, and they don't really have, uh, uh I mean, another point guard. To, to speak of behind Trey no, Young. That's, they, no. 
you know, I mean, they they have Brandon Goodwin, who um, uh, Nuggets fans will remember, of course, was right. on, on Denver last year, and and but that's really the only other true point guard they have on the roster, and so it's it's kind of a, when when he's young's not out there, you know, the, it's it's a bit awkward for what Atlanta's trying to do because they don't really have uh, any other playmakers. Uh, you know who they can use? Right. Monte Morris. You know who we're not going to give yeah. them? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, what could we trade Monte Morris? Do they have anything we want? Uh, no. You can't no. have. Because then, then we'd have the exact same problem. Uh, yeah, exactly. Moment, right. So, um, I yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you there. The, the John Collins thing hurts because he was he was hurt last year, if I remember right, too. Like, he missed a lot of games, I think. Um, I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. But, uh, you know, not having him, like you said, so then the, the, the depth at, at power forward, you know, you got bad depth at point guard. Now at power forward, so what, Jabari Parker is probably who they're, uh, they're starting these days. And, um, but boy, <laughs> you might even be getting a little Vince Carter minutes at the four. Right, it's, yeah. Um, well, and that's, like I said, really, that's where you're at is you're trying to figure out how you can get um, enough guys who are um, basketball savvy enough they're, they're backup guys. Like, they have some crafty players. They have some guys who understand basketball. Those yeah, I mean, Kevin Hurd is a nice, good, uh, that, a nice player. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, they came out of college, and they, the reason they got drafted is because you think smart, crafty player. Like, maybe not a great athlete, but, you know, knows the game. And they've got a couple of those guys on the team. They just don't have anybody to rally the the scoring or the, the playmaking uh, when yeah. Trey Young's out, and I think that's their problem is they've got a lot of pieces, but no one to activate them. Um, and yeah. I think it's going to be a struggle for them. Now, of course, they're not going to probably go there and lose, but you know, uh, home game, I think actually. Oh, is it good? That makes me happy. Good. Bring Atlanta no, up. Not, not, well, I, I mean, not not that the Nuggets are above losing to the Hawks at home. <laughs> that's that's very we, true. Yeah, they seen, do have. We've seen that. Yeah, they do play Atlanta and uh, Brooklyn at home, which is which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Atlanta's there's still a few pieces away. They do have some nice young pieces, but they need uh, they need some more players around Trey Young uh, before you can really consider them uh, a playoff contender. It's certainly a team the Nuggets should beat. Next up after that, though, uh, another great point guard in in the Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn, a team that that has been, you know. Uh, up and down so far to start the season. I think they're four and five um, right now. That'll be a, that'll be a national TV game. Uh, Jamal Murray versus Kyrie Irving, of course. That's got a that'll be yeah. That that has some salt on it. Yep. to it exactly. So, um, but how? I mean, how dangerous? I, Brooklyn. I it's hard for me to read them because one, they they had so much roster turnover, but two, like it seems like it's a team just in a waiting pattern this season while they wait for Kevin Durant to get healthy. They are. I mean, but they they've got. They've got good players. They have um, more guards. They have more guys who can uh, run an offense than Atlanta. So in that sense, they're dangerous because you have Spencer Dinwiddie. You've got, right. you know, um, some of that talent. You've got some scoring. You know, they their guards can can score the ball. Right. Joe Harris is a really good shooter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Karis Levert uh, can score. A Karis Levert, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a very good scorer as well. Um. Right. So you've you've got some stuff there. What they don't really have is uh, anything resembling a center. So well, they got Jared, they Jared Allen. Allen, but like Jared Allen, but for whatever is, reason, they're putting DeAndre Jordan in front of him, which makes no sense. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't I'm not really sure what they're doing with their center position. Um, They they're getting like eh, contributions. So it's all on the wings because the forward 
position is always uh, they've got Torian Prince, but right, and I like him, but but that's not he's not holding up your 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 scoring burden for all your forwards. So it's it's really a guard driven team. Um, now that may cause uh, the Nuggets some problems because they they can defend with Gary Harris. I think that uh, it's going to be very very interesting to see how Jamal Murray on a bad ankle. <clears throat> is going to hold up against Trey Young and uh, Kyrie Irving back to back. Yeah, so I mean, with Kyrie, it's I I, I just think you know that that's got to be the really the only thing. If you can if you can shut that guy down, um, there's not much else that that really makes me too concerned about the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it, it all depends on on what's going to really happen with Kyrie. I mean, he drives their whole offense. The guy's scoring like 32 points a game. He he is. Killing it on their offense now. Um, Karras can definitely go off, and Spencer has his games. Right. Um, but really, you're just going to have to face a guard attack. I expect to see, you know, more Gary Harris, more not not that Gary's ever with Gary Harris, but he's going to be very crucial in holding down some of this offense. And then I expect to see a bunch of Tory Craig in that game, just to try to keep the guards under control. Because if you control the guards for for the Nets, then you're going to win the game. Like. Yeah, it's you're very not, hard for Jarrett Allen to go ahead and beat you by himself. Or, yeah, or DeAndre Jordan, or you know, I mean, right? They're not they're not a, a team that scares you up front. Uh, certainly, famous last words, I know, but right. still, that's that's the way I feel exactly. about it. Watch, watch, Jordan's gonna have like twenty and twenty against us, right? <laughs> All right, uh, and so then, uh, then one last game uh, will be uh, next Sunday. Another another Sunday afternoon game. Nuggets getting a lot of these. Uh, these weird Sunday afternoon showdowns. It is with the Memphis Grizzlies, another team that I think people were kind of thinking, well, maybe this will be the year they they take that next step as a young team hasn't. They took a step, yeah, yeah, right, but it hasn't really happened. I mean, is there? Are you concerned at all about the Grizzlies game? Well, I mean, I'm concerned all the time when the Nuggets play down to their opponents, right? But. Technically, they should be much, much better than Memphis, and Memphis shouldn't have anything that scares them. I mean, you know, John's a good player. Yeah, John Morant can definitely play. Jaron Jackson's um, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I expect Jaron Jackson to have a terrific game against us because just of the the way that he plays, and he's just significantly bigger than somebody like Paul Millsap. Right. You know, just a much longer dude, and and I think that'll cause uh, Denver some issues. Right. Um, Brandon Clark has has some good game in him. Um, though we can just solid still, you know, I mean. yeah, yeah. Like they've, they've got some pieces, but I don't, I don't really fear the whole, um, like my concern with like, say the nets would be the pace that they play out. Like they score like 120 points a game, which is crazy talk. Yeah. They just give up the same, you know what I mean? It's all pace for them. They don't, they're, they're like the old Denver nuggets who didn't defend anybody and just figured they could outscore you. My, um, uh, and Memphis is not that, um, but Memphis also isn't, um, especially stout on the defensive end. Like, they're still scoring, but they're not really stopping these anyone. Are, these are not your older brother's Memphis no, Grizzlies. No, these are not the, these are not the, grind, the grit and grind uh, right. Memphis Grizzlies. Right. Um, young and they don't really have anybody who's going to slow Jokic. I mean, Valanciunas is fine. You know, uh, I sure. guess Jokic could slow Jokic. But uh, Denver just has more weapons. Like, that's the, the theme of this week is Denver has more weapons, and they should win the games. Right. Like, that's... That's just what it comes down to is is that Denver is a harder team to shut down if they're performing right. Now, that said, we've been watching the Nuggets fail to perform at their level for the entire season. So <laughs> For many seasons in a row. 
right? So at some point, you've got to say, well, maybe the level that, that we expect as fans of the Nuggets is not necessarily the level that they're going to achieve all the time. Um, but if they have big goals, and if their big goals are, you know, get the number one seed, you know, set yourself up to get a run to the finals, then these are the weeks that you have to go win. You can't yeah. play down to your opponents this week. You've got to take the Grizzlies and put them out early because you're probably going to need some rest. You know, <laughs> like you're you're going to need to um, handle guard pressure. You're going to need to handle um, scoring guards in a big way, which you've got a couple of those to test you this week. Like those are all things that you're going to have to run into in the playoffs. And even if these aren't playoff teams, they can provide some sorts of playoff challenges and the, the Nuggets need to solve them. They just do. Yeah. You know, I would say that, I mean, my biggest concern is that the Nuggets just, man, they, they always struggle in Memphis. I don't know what it is, but. I know. It's Memphis nightlife, man. That's right. It's supposed to be the barbecue. Let's get some, uh, get some all sluggish before the game. But yeah, they, they, for some reason, they've always seemed to struggle against the Grizzlies. So I think, including, you know, last year, if you think about it, they got that one win down there and they had to basically have, you know, another all-time comeback um, to get it done. That's. That's that's my concern. I mean, Jaron Jackson is 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 gonna provide some challenges for them because he can just shoot yeah. over Paul Millsap. He's gonna yeah. play some center, might get matched up against Jokic. That's gonna be a guy who can, you know, take advantage of Jokic in the post uh, with with his athleticism. So that's that's something I think you you have to be concerned. And then you know, can Jamal Murray contain John Morant? That's that's gonna be the big story of it. It's it's really the the whole week is gonna be a story of how well does Jamal Murray play up against these other point guards because it's it's pretty much every single team they see this week that is that is what they're led by and if you yeah, can contain that one guy right yeah. and so if you can contain that one guy a guy you're gonna have a really good uh, chance of winning I, it makes you wonder will they um, will we see a more a lot more of Gary Harris kind of switching over in in defending point guards this week. And I would be curious about that because he's been very, very good at that. And especially with Murray having any kind of lingering effects from this ankle or foot that he did tonight. Like, you're going to want a guy who is fully mobile who can defend. And Gary shut down a lot of guys this year. Right. Um, like, a lot of guys. He's, he's been very, very good defensively. Uh, and another reason that you got somebody like Jeremy Grant was to play somebody like Jaron Jackson. Yeah, like exactly. you're going to hope that this is this is one of those times where you're going to throw Jeremy Grant out there and he's going to do what you traded a first round pick for him to do. You know, take a big, long dude and, you know, make his life difficult. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, I think when you when you look at this, um, this group, the nice thing about it is there's not a ton of. Uh, of threats otherwise to where you're, you're too worried. Like, you know, if you want to put Gary Harris on the point guards uh, this week, well, you're probably okay with that. I mean, you know, Maybe Joe not Harris, against the Nets. I think the Brooks, Nets would have. Well, yeah, I mean, I, Joe, I, Joe Harris is pretty good, but he's – I would actually say you're you're more worried about Atlanta and Cam Reddish just because Cam Reddish is a bigger dude. Um, well, yeah. And he's gonna but, I mean, that, the problem there is, I mean, uh, technically I think Jamal Murray now is a bigger dude than Gary Harris, so. Right, yeah, that's very true. That's very true, so um, – but that they they should have that kind of they should have that kind of mix and match ability with those two guys I think yes. this week so so that may, and maybe you just play it out you know maybe you let you let Jamal start out on those guys but if he's really struggling uh, defending any one of these players you know you can just kind of slide Gary Harris over there um, or even bring in Tory Craig off the bench well, and that's you know. yeah I expect to see a heavy dose of Tory Craig against probably the Nets I would say yeah because they've got the biggest guard rotation that you would have to worry about. Like they have enough guys um, that 
can can hurt you. Like it, they don't hurt you every game, like Kyrie, but they can hurt you. Right. Um. And I I, I think the world of Karis Levert. So like really, uh, I'm glad to see him doing well, and I expect the Nuggets to throw a bunch of defensive rotations and longer guys at you know the guards and shooting guards of uh, the Nets to try to slow them. Yeah. So I would expect to see Torrey Craig get some significant minutes in that game. Yeah, I would agree. I uh, I think that's a, that's a good call. I think you know even even guys like uh, a Garrett Temple or um, like you said a Joe Harris, those are guys who can uh, are quality players can can certainly hurt you uh, right. as well. I think Joe Harris, right, U.S. national team. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> Joe Joe Harris is he's underrated. He's a bigger guy than people give him credit for. I don't know why they think he's short, but. Like Joe Harris is is quite rangy and and uh, can hurt you offensively. Yeah, he can so, shoot. It. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up with this, Gordon. Let, get let me uh, let me hear your prediction. What is the Nuggets' win loss record this week? I think it's two and one. I think that I think they they may wind up dro- dropping that next game. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, so you think they might drop the one against Atlanta? Uh, no, I would I would expect them to drop the Nets game. Oh, the Nets game, not the next. Game, but the <laughs> net game. Gotcha, gotcha. Now I'm with you. Yeah, that's that's uh that's a fair uh fair one to say. I'll go. I'm gonna be optimistic. I think three and zero. I think they uh the Nuggets optimism have what it takes. from me. Cash, that's come right. on. That's right. I know. Well, you know the one road game is the, the is the is the Memphis game. So I like I like the the Nets more here in Denver. But, I hear you. Uh, I I but I agree. I I've, if there's one I was gonna pick for them to lose, I think that would be it. Um, all right. Well, I think we will we will go ahead and wrap up the show right there. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Gordon is at G Money Nugs. Uh, make sure you're also following at Pickaxe Podcast and at Denver Stiffs at SB Nation as well. Uh, we are over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs and on YouTube as well. So make sure you guys are subscribed, uh, following those accounts also on Facebook. And if you are not subscribed to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel, what are you doing? You should be making sure to do that so that you can get daily Denver Nuggets podcasts from all different members of the Denver Stiffs. Tomorrow we'll have Ryan Blackburn on with Nuggets numbers. No doubt breaking down uh, everything that happens here in this game uh, against Atlanta. Wait, does they play Atlanta on Monday? No, they play them on Tuesday. Previewing. No doubt previewing uh, <laughs> that game against Atlanta. So we know oh. what's happening. Don't don't yes. don't worry about us. Right, right. We're a well organized machine here. I don't know what you would think otherwise. Alrighty, Gordon. Appreciate you as always, sir. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Uh, also, shout out Will Barton. We didn't talk about it in this pro- in the program, but totally worth it. Will go well. Thrilled. No one hurt us. It's the end of the podcast, right. but go well. That's right. Hit that half court shot. So shouts to Get 44 feet. Yeah, that makes it. That's right. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.